announcement from our pastor, Pastor Ray. Well, good evening, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa. Pastor Ray here, so thankful for each of you. Love you so much. Lord willing, we'll be seeing you next week. Looking forward to that as we press on into 2022 and all that God has in store for us as we continue to see him build his kingdom. Amen? Come on. Let's go, Lord. Do it for your glory. But right now, I have the privilege and joy to introduce to you a very dear friend of mine who is going to be opening up God's word for us tonight. His name is Paul Winningstall. And Paul and his wife, Sue, praise the Lord, they are not strangers to us here at Hope Auto. We've been blessed a number of times by their ministry to us here on a number of levels. And so as many of you know, Paul currently serves as the Canadian director for the Great Commission Collective, which is, of course, the fellowship of churches that we are a part of here in Canada and the States and around the world. And we're so thankful for Paul's leadership. Paul is a pastor to the pastors. And I'm so thankful personally for how he's poured into me and his prayers for me and his counsel that he's given over the years. He's just a dear friend in the Lord. And hey, Paul and Sue, love you so much. Praying for you daily. You press on, all right? And so loved ones, let's make sure we keep them in prayer. Pray for wisdom and direction and faith and clarity and boldness from and courage from the Lord in these days. Because I think we can all agree this past year was crazy, right? Who could have expected any of that? And who knows what's going to happen this year, but we do know this. Jesus is ruling. Jesus is reigning. He is sovereign over all. We can trust him, and his call to us is to follow him. Amen? So let's pray for Paul and Sue in the GCC in the days ahead. These are great days for the gospel. And so as Paul comes up here, let's put our hands together, and let's give him a warm Hope Ottawa welcome. Well, the thing I know about your pastor, there's never any lack of zeal and passion coming from him, right? Praise the Lord for that. And uh, so thankful for he and Ray and uh, the ministry that we have together in serving in the church and serving the churches and uh, just seeing how God is at work. God is at work. It, it seems like uh, COVID has uh, maybe in some ways distracted us and we think like, is God still working? Well, you know, you've heard the stories in your own church. You know the stories of salvation and the stories of baptism and God's working. I want to uh, tell you a couple of stories of, of uh, the GCC and what God has done um, over these last year over this last year and a half um, you had the privilege of having a uh, pastor Steve Croker here uh, last week from uh, Living Hope uh, Church in um, Georgetown and and that church joined the GCC right kind of coming into um, COVID and uh, another church in uh, Toronto Grace Fellowship uh, joined us as part of that but just as exciting as that is now uh, there's a gentleman his name is Chris Gervin I don't know if you know the Chris Gervin story but in March of 2020 Chris Gervin came on staff with um, Redemption uh, Bible Church in, in um, Calgary, Calgary North, to plant a church in Red Deer. He didn't live in Red Deer yet. He was going to plant a church in Red Deer. And if you remember March 2020, that's when we all got shut down. And uh, if there was ever a, a ridiculous plan to plant a church, it's let's plant a church in a city where the guy doesn't live and he can't go there to plant the church because nobody can meet when he does. 
I'm happy to tell you, um, we were there in the summertime and met with him and his wife, and they now have between 130 and 150 people who are meeting together, and the church is growing, and yeah, praise the Lord, right? That's what God has done and how he works in his church. Now, you can continue to pray for him. That's still a church plant. They're still trying to figure out how you do stuff, and uh, they'll be looking to get elders in place and all those things that your church has been working through and working towards. Uh, they are doing the same thing. And then uh, a man named Kyle Hunter moved from Brantford, Ontario, out to Edmonton and started in September to plant a church. Um, planting churches in the middle of COVID? Are you crazy? What a ridiculous plan. Hey, we watched what God has already done, and we're seeing what he is already doing. There are somewhere north of 30 people who are committed to be part of that church plant in Edmonton, and uh, God is at work. So God is working. COVID can't stop God from working. He doesn't stop God from working in our own hearts, in our own church, and in churches around the world, and he's going to continue to do that. So you've been praying for us, and uh, we're all trying to figure out how we do this together, but the word of God is not stopped, right? The word of God goes forward. The power of God's Holy Spirit is working in people's lives, and people's lives are being changed. I have the privilege of being the Canadian regional director, as I was mentioned, serving with the 23 churches from, your church is the church that's furthest east. I hope that's not true for much longer. I hope we'll have churches out on the east coast and right across the country, but from Ottawa to Kelowna, and uh, God is growing his church for his glory. So uh, continue to pray for us. Pray for Sue and I, as was mentioned, to pass Pastor the pastors, care for churches, uh, work with leaders, and uh, continue to see the church grow. Anyways, enough of that stuff. Get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to Isaiah chapter 40, an amazing chapter of God's Word. You've all heard the statement that good things come to those who wait. I want to tell you that's not always true, and so I would like to change that for the sake of this marriage, this, this message, and that is God things come to those who wait, right? A good things don't always come. Sometimes things turn out disastrous after you wait for them, but when you wait for the Lord, God things happen. So let's start out with a question, though. Anybody in the room got a wait problem? Anybody, uh, anybody experienced the, uh, we'll call it the COVID-15 or the COVID-20, or as long as this goes on, maybe it's going to be the COVID-25 or 30, and, and you've seen that, the extra pound. I put some extra pounds on. I've got to get them back off, and, but I remember when COVID kind of struck. We didn't even kind of go out of our house, and we're all like, oh, what's going to happen? And as it's gone along, we've kind of learned to work in the rhythms of it, but I've got a weight problem. I've got a weight problem. I preached this message in the church that we attend in uh, Hope Markham, uh, month or so ago, and after the 11 o'clock service, uh, one of the young adult girls uh, came up to me, and uh, she said, how did you know? How did you know? I go, what do you mean? She goes, how did you know about my weight problem? I go, first of all, I'm not even going to talk about your weight problem. You're a woman, right? She said, I'd noticed that she came into church late, right? And uh, she said, I was late today because I was on hold with Weight Watchers, uh, looking to sign up to join a weight loss program. And they put me on hold, and I was on there so long, I was late getting to church. And I thought, well, that's just God's sense of humor in the timing of this message. But, you know, maybe you have a weight problem. Maybe that's not your weight problem. Maybe you have a different kind of weight problem. I, I have this weight problem as well, and that is waiting for the Lord. Um, see, the world doesn't value waiting. 
Everything is now. Everything is now. Everything is now. But that's not the way things work necessarily in God's economy. And in God's economy, we need to learn how to wait. We need to learn how to wait, and we need to value waiting. I was reading just yesterday this statement. One of the hardest things to do in the Christian life is to wait for the Lord. One of the hardest things to do in the Christian life is to wait for the Lord. And we want to solve the problems. We want to get on with what we need to get on with. We want to get our plan in place. And I'm here to tell you today, sometimes we need to stop and we need to do what this text tells us to do. And that is we need to wait for the Lord. One writer said this, waiting is what faith does. Waiting is what faith does does. So you got your Bibles open, I trust. Would you stand with me? I love to stand to read God's Word and uh, stand with me. We're just going to read the last part of this text. I'm going to walk us through a bunch of it tonight, but I want us to read uh, verses uh, 29 through verse 31. Actually, let's start at verse 28, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens. Uh, excuse me. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to those who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young man shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, but then a passion to live out faithfully, Lord, these things that we're going to see from your word tonight. What I have to say means nothing if it's not from you, if it's not uh, pushed by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. But Lord, uh, give us faith to live these things out for the glory of our Lord. We are living trying days, days where we're not sure uh, one week to the next what it will look like, and yet we know who holds the future. We know who is the one who is the creator. We know who is the one who is the sustainer. And so, Lord, we trust you and we wait for you and we watch and we see you work and we rejoice in all you're doing. So lead us in your word. Strengthen us through the power of your spirit to serve you well and to learn to wait, Lord, that we would glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. You know, waiting sometimes means moving forward without the answer to our prayers. I've been praying, and I'm not sure, and, but I have to move forward, and I have to wait for God. Or waiting sometimes means wondering, why do the wicked prosper? Why does it seem that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? Waiting is having a desire that is delayed or hope that is deferred, because I believe God has something greater. I believe God is in control. I believe we don't live for this world, but we live for what is to come. And the Bible teaches us we need to wait. In Psalm 1830, it says, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in Him.
So I want to walk us through this text, fairly quickly through the text, and then we'll finish up with the last verses. And so here's the first thing I want us to see. God things happen to those who wait. Remember who he is. Remember who he is. And the first thing I want you to see is in the first part of the chapter, and that is that God is for us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God is for us. God is not out there to, to push you down and, and, and take all the joy out of your life. God is for us. In, in chapter 40, verse 1 through 5, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Why? Because, because God is for us. God is for us. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she, is, um, that she has received from the Lord, Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is for us. We're at a bit of a turning point in the book of Isaiah. Um, so much of the judgment and, and what was coming down on them has now been delivered by Isaiah. And it's beginning to turn. And we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. And, but I need to tell you this. Even though that's true, and Isaiah's focus begins to shift and looking forward to what's going to be delivered and how God is going to work, it doesn't mean it's going to happen yet. Of captivity in Babylon, if it hasn't already begun, is about to begin, and they're going to go through. This generation is not going to see the, the Lord's deliverance like maybe the next generation is. But the Lord is starting to turn their focus. He's starting to uh, give them a hope and, and give them comfort. And in the midst of the world that we live in, we, remember to, we need to remember that God is for us. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Um. There's still going to be a captivity. There's still going to be a struggle. But God is going to be for them. Instant gratification is never promised in the Scriptures. Anybody who teaches, you can name it and you can claim it and you can have it all now, just isn't reading from this book. Filled with struggle, filled with trial, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust, the consequences of sin, we live in the midst of them. The pandemic that we live in today is as a result of sin. Now, I'm not saying that someone sinned and that's why we have a pandemic. Go back to Genesis and the fall of man and sinfulness. That's why we're facing, if, if it weren't for the fall, if it wasn't for all of that, we wouldn't be having this. But we all live through it and we all go through it together except our God has promised comfort, comfort my people because God will go for us and he will guide us and he will direct us. He will lead us. Remember who he is because God is for us. Here's the second thing. Remember who he is because God's word is foundational. Look at verses six to eight. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass wither, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now you can take that to the bank. The word of our God will stand forever. 
the grass withers, the flower fades. Sue and I were supporting one of the kids in our church in a fundraising thing for school, and we, we bought a poinsettia just before Christmas. Now, you have to understand something. If anybody can kill a flower, we can kill a flower. In our house, they just come and they just wither and die, right? Um, and we managed to keep it pretty much for two weeks till Christmas. If you're a poinsettia person, you're going to be so disappointed in me at this testimony. But um, by Christmas, the green was starting to shrivel up, and apparently you're supposed to water them occasionally and not overwater them and put them in the right way. The grass withers, the flower fades. Yesterday, I took it out of the little pod and put it in my green bin, and it went out to the side of the road, and it is gone. Wherever flowers go, it is gone. The grass fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Where's your hope today? Is your hope in the things of this world? I think that's the picture that's really being given here. The grass withers, the flowers fade. Uh, when, the, when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. If, if our hope is in ourselves, if our hope is in our plans, if our hope is in what we can accomplish, it's going to fade. There's going to be disappointment. It's never going to accomplish what it wants. But what remains forever? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord remains forever. And so remember who he is because God is for us. Remember who he is because God's word is foundational. He's given us everything we need to live godly lives in this present age. It's right here in his word, the word of the Lord stands forever. Not only are those two things true, here's the third thing that's true. God's nature is unmatched. God's for us. God's word is foundational. God's word is unmatched. I'm just going to walk you very quickly through the next section of the scripture, or we'll be here, and church tomorrow morning will be in the way for them. So um, there's just so much. But here's what it says. He says, uh, behold your God. Behold your God. Um, Sue and I love coming back to Ottawa. We started in our public ministry. I've told some of you this story before. Back in 1979, before most of you in the room were even born, um, at a little church here in Ottawa. And that's where we began our journey. But we loved coming here. I loved going over to Gatineau, up into Gatineau Park. And as we were driving up the 416 yesterday, just as you're about to come down that last part into, you can look across and you can say, it's just so beautiful, right? You see God in his creation. And uh, so thankful for that. We went out for a drive this morning because we didn't dare get out of the vehicle or we would have froze to death. And so uh, we went out for a drive this morning and just enjoying that. Came down around Dow's Lake and up along. And it was just, it was just so beautiful. Um, seeing God's creation. As you go across the Hogsback Bridge and uh, you see like the waterfalls going down on the one side and you see, you know, it's just God's creation. It's so beautiful. Now, you live here. You've forgotten all of those things. So it's good to go away and come back to somewhere. And just even in the city that's here, seeing how beautiful God's creation is. Behold your God. In verse 10, it says, Behold, the Lord comes with might. God comes in omnipotence. It took omnipotent might to bring you from darkness to light in your salvation. There was nothing about you that desired God. And when, when you hated him, he loved you. It says in verse 11, He tends his flock like a shepherd, a shepherd who cares for his sheep, a shepherd who protects from evil and the struggles that come. He brings us to water and, and, uh, and gives us the food that we need. The God who measured the waters, 
Who measured the waters? Who can measure the waters? Only God can in his omnipotence and how glorious he is. See God in his beauty. See God in his omnipotence. In verse 13, who has measured, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? It speaks of God's omniscience. Right? Who? Who? Who measures the spirit of the Lord? Not us. Or what man shows him counsel? It, God's not out looking for my opinion about things. Right? God is the one who knows the truth. Now, God desires that we come, and God desires that we come to pray. I'm not talking about prayer here. I'm talking about we think we've got better plans than God has. Hey, and how do I know that? Every time I go outside of what God desires, and I try to do things in my own strength, I say, God, my plan is better than your plan. And the question is, who shows him his counsel? And yet you do that, and I do that, when we don't wait for the Lord. When we run ahead with our plan, when we think our way will be better than, than his way. Who did he consult in verse 14? And who made him understand? Uh, no one. No one. Uh, verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with him? No one, or no likeness. In verse 25, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. No one. Verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He shall not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Let those words just watch over you as you wrestle through the things of these days. Um, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is on searchable. You see, that's the God who we serve. That's the God where our hope is. And, and that is the God whose nature is unmatched. And so when we come to the end of the text, it's so important that we have these things in place and understand these things, or we tend to just run ahead and off to what we want and what we want to accomplish the writer gets the eyes of the people on the fact that God is for us. His word is foundational. His nature is unmatched. So we can come to the next point. See, God things happen to those who wait. Therefore, wait for God's good plan. Wait for God's good plan. Don't run ahead in your own strength. Don't run ahead with what you desire in what you want. You remember, there's so much waiting that we see in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, they were waiting for the coming Messiah. A flip over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. There's a great verse for you to think about in this context. You have the whole Old Testament. Genesis through, the law is given, the sacrifices are made. All of that pointing to what Jesus Christ would accomplish. All of that to, to accomplish what the law couldn't. The law just demonstrated how sinful we are and how unable we were to solve the problem of sin. The, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't deal with what Jesus Christ dealt with. They were, they were a picture for us. But in, in Matthew 13 and verse 17, I love this verse. For truly I say to you, 
Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. We live on the other side. Jesus is talking here, and he's talking about it in the context of, of who he is and what he's done. Hey, we've got the rest of the story. We've got the rest of the story. In the Old Testament, they were waiting. In um, uh, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Wait for God's good plan. Waiting for the coming Messiah, because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Scripture teaches that um, there's none righteous, not even one. Scripture teaches that no man seeks after God. If it weren't for God uh, working in us, not one of us would have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive in Christ Jesus, right? At the right time. After all of that waiting, God sent his son, and Jesus Christ came. We, we've just celebrated Christmas and the birth of our Savior, and Jesus Christ came. He lived on this earth and, and demonstrated that he was and could be the perfect sacrifice to, to satisfy the wrath of God. He could be the one who would satisfy what God required, and then on the cross, he would die. He would rise again, proving who he was so that we could put our faith and trust in him, and we could have eternal life they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And at the right time, God sent his son. And now we have the rest of the story. I am so thankful I live when I live because, because I, like, I'm not sure I would have been any different. We, we look at people in the Bible and sometimes like, what's wrong with those guys? Why didn't they get it? Well, we get it because we got the rest of the story. And yet there they were waiting for the Lord, and he came, and salvation was provided for them. Um, wait for God's good plan was waiting for the coming Messiah. But then there was more waiting. After the resurrection, there was the waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and so after Christ has, has risen from the dead, they still there's this period of time of, of waiting, and then, and then the resur the, after the resurrection, the ascension happens, and the Holy Spirit comes, and, and we have the benefit of the indwelling baptism, sealing of the Holy Spirit in us, the filling of God's Spirit as we yield our ourselves to him to be used for God's glory. See, they had to wait. And Jesus said, wait. And the Spirit came, and, and we have that indwelling Spirit. And we wait for God's leading in our lives. Um, we're looking to, to God for, like, what's next? How do we, how do we take the next steps? Uh, churches are trying to figure out how do we do the next steps with COVID. Uh, people are trying to figure out what I do the next steps with my job. Uh, people hear uh, reports from uh, medical. and what, What's the next steps? How do we, we have to wait. We have to wait. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We're going to see as we go through the text in just a couple of minutes as why that's so important and why that's so critical for us, but it's hard for me. I don't want to wait. 
I want to solve the problems. I want to get on with it. I've got a great plan, and I've got a wonderful plan for your life, and I'll tell you what it is, and, and it's not going to be God's plan. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Allow him to show you. Allow him to direct you. And until you have clarity on that, until you're not sure, until, until you are sure of what going, just wait for the Lord. Wait for him. We wait for the Lord for God's leading. Hey, we wait for the Lord for the return of Christ. We wait for the Lord for the return of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, some amazing verses there. And uh, they say this, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus Christ, through Jesus, God will, notice the word will in this text is always looking forward, right? It's what God is going to do. It's part of the waiting. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with a voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord therefore encourage one another with these words we wait for the return of Christ because our satisfaction and our hope is not found in this world and what this world accomplishes. It's looking forward to what God will do. I, I love how Psalm 23 ends, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wait for God's good plan. Why? Why? Well, here's one reason. Because you can't do it. You, you can't effectively and truthfully and obediently Live for the Lord in your own strength. You cannot do it. Uh, verses 29, back to our text in Isaiah, um, in verses 29 to 29 and 30, they say this. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. We need to wait because you can't do this plan in your life by yourself. If you do, you're on your own. You want to go out there on your own? Well, you go and see how that works out for you. It's not going to work out well for you. You wait for the Lord. Even the youth who have the stamina, or, or you in all of your ability, you can't do it. You can't do it. He gives power to the faint. And to him who, is, who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. I remember when I was much younger how I thought I could do so much more. And as I get older, you learn and you learn and you learn. And before you were parents, so many kids in the room, you thought you had parenting pretty much figured out. And then you had kids. And then you're like, what in the world happened to all my wonderful ideas? I just figured my kids would be angels. I knew everybody else had a problem, but that wouldn't be my problem because my kids are going to be perfect children. And then you had them. And, and life will go on, and every part of your lives are like that. I, the pastor I served with when I was here in Ottawa, he said, when I first started in ministry, I was an expert in everything. And then, we, then he and his wife had children. And so I decided I'm not an expert in kids anymore. I'm going to be an expert in youth. And then our kids grew up, and, and when they became youth, I wasn't an expert in youth anymore. And so I became, he goes, I'm not an expert in anything anymore, right? 
The picture of the youth is because that picture of energy and that picture of confidence and that picture of even the youth, even the youth, they don't have it all figured out. They don't have all the answers. They don't have the stamina. They don't have the ability. You can't do it on your own. You don't have the resources and you don't have the tools that the one in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives to us to be strong and courageous and bold and moving forward in the struggles we have in our lives. You can't do it. Um, but here's the other side of the coin. He alone can do it. It's when we put our hope in God, when we're putting our trust in God, that we realize he is the one who can do it. And so here's my question for you today. What is it that God's waiting or putting in front of you that you need to woe a little bit on? You need to step back on and wait on the Lord, and you're pressing forward, and you're trying harder, and, and, and just like in the physical, uh, that girl who was signing up to Weight Watchers, which was not a bad thing, but who was signing up to Weight Watchers to solve a problem, she, she had it all figured out how it was all going to happen, and, and, but in the spiritual, God's saying, you need to wait. You need to wait. You need to allow me to put the things in place, because if you run ahead, hear this, if you run ahead, you run ahead on your own. You can't do it, he alone can do it. You see, waiting accepts and trusts the sovereignty of God. Waiting accepts and trusts the sovereignty of God. It's like, okay, when I learned to wait, I learned that, no, God is on the throne. He is the king. He is the one eternal, and I need to wait for him. I need to wait for him. Not only you can't do it, not only he alone can do it, here's the other cool part, he will do it. He will do it. It brings us to the last part of the, of the text. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but, I love buts in the Bible, and they're so cool because they're such a transition, and here it is here, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. The world would teach this in the opposite order. The world teaches you, you have to learn how to walk, and then you learn how to run, and then you learn how to mount up. Um, but God, when he works in your life, I love this picture, they will mount up with wings like eagles. It's like, oh my goodness, we will soar. We will soar. Think about God's uh, providence in your life of bringing you to the place of salvation. Um, something that you had no desire to, nothing in you was aiming for, and God did that work, and you had the most awesome thing happen that can happen in your life. You trusted Jesus Christ. That's mounting up with wings like eagles. Or that day you're along in your journey, in your spiritual walk, and, and you went to a conference, or you went to a retreat, or, or something happened in your life, and it was a huge turning point, often coming, obvious, coming out of repentance, and God does this great thing, and you, you mount up, and you are like soaring, you are so excited about what God is doing, you're so passionate about how he's working in your life, and, and, and God does that. 
See, they that wait upon the Lord, that's what you experience. You experience God's pouring his blessing out on you, even in the midst of difficult, hard days. Um, Sue and I were at a funeral yesterday for a man. Three of the, his daughters are, are women in our church, and they told the stories of their dad and, and his faithfulness to them, and how God used him in their lives, and how they came to salvation, and, and how he's been impacting them, and, and, and they learned how, what God did, what he poured out for them. Um, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Do you remember those, those, do you remember those times in your life when you had that, oh my goodness, God is awesome, look at what he's done. And maybe it was your salvation. That's the thing you think about. Maybe it's a, the deliverance of something that happened in your life. Maybe it's a turning point in your life and, and you had that great big boom experience. When you wait on the Lord, you mount up with the wings like eagles. God brings you to repentance. God brings you to restoration. God brings you to hope. And you're like, this is awesome. And then you run and you don't grow weary. And you walk and you don't faint. Um, after we have that awesome working of God, it says, then we learn to run. I love Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God transforms our lives, and then we learn to run the race. It's not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon, but we learn how to run but we don't stop there. We also learn how to, to walk. It says, do, do you not know that all who race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. And there's lots of pictures of running in Scripture, but there's tons of pictures of walking in Scripture. And so you have this experience where God does this work, and it's an awesome work, and then you have this experience of running and the endurance of going on. But then you have the, all of that leads us to walking and walking faithfully for the glory of God. I, um, I googled, or I guess the students call it, I searched up. Old people call it Googling. Apparently, the younger generation call it searching up. So I'm still I'm trying to be cool. So I may have just failed, but I tried. And, uh, but I, I, I searched up learning to walk the spiritual walk. And uh, got questions is a great tool. Um, you could search it, search it and say, uh, what does a Christian walk look like? Um, so he says, mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary, and walk and not faint. That's the long-term going on with the Lord. What does that look like for us? The Christian walk involves a, lots of th a lot of things, and one of them is, involves is being like Christ, Christ-likeness, more like Jesus Christ every day. 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Speaking of suffering, uh, Peter said in 1 Peter, uh, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. And so when we're learning to walk, when we mount up with wings like eagles, when we run and don't grow weary, when we walk and don't faint, we walk in Christ-likeness. Walking being like Jesus Christ. The Bible says we walk in righteousness in Galatians 5. When we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the, of, of the flesh. 
And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we desire to walk in righteousness, in the power of the Spirit. The Bible says we walk in good works. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walking in good works. Good works don't save us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you understand. Good works don't save you. Good works are what you do because you are saved. The Lord Jesus Christ bought you back. He, he transformed your life. He redeemed you. Your hope is not in anything you do. Your hope is totally in what Jesus Christ does. I love saying it this way. When I stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? Because of him. But if your answer starts with anything about you, you have the wrong answer to the question. It's all because of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he did. But because of what he did, it changes our lives. And we have a desire to walk with him. Walk with him. Walk with him in good works. Walk with him in obedience. The Apostle John uh, taught that in uh, 1 John, uh, 2 John 1.6. We walk in obedience to his commands. The Christian walk involves faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. The Christian walk involves a new way of thinking. Um, in Ephesians 4, 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk like the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. When it says you no longer walk like the Gentiles walk, it says you don't walk like the world walks. And it's not rocket science to figure out what the world wants. The world wants satisfaction. The world wants stuff. The world wants success. And the Bible tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he may exalt you. Right? Fame, fortune, power, pleasure, that's what the world wants. And the follower of Jesus Christ wants godliness and Christ-likeness and, and, and demonstrating to a world that has no hope, the hope that we have in, turn, in eternal life because of Jesus Christ. And we walk in loyalty to our Lord. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, show some of the, the things in a list. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, walking is the long-haul, sanctifying work of God in the life of the believer. So we're back to Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40, we have these people who in Isaiah, the judgment of God has been poured out on them and we start to see a transition that happens and we see the faithfulness and the goodness and the power and how awesome God is. And when you take hold of that, when you understand the reality of that, then they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Have you got a weight problem? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But I want the answer now. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But, but I need to get it in place right now. I need to get it solved. They that wait upon the Lord. Why is that so important? Because if you don't wait for the Lord, you're on your own. You're on your own. And you're going to learn the lesson again. Uh, my wife was involved in a motor vehicle accident. How many years ago was that now? 20, how many? 26 years ago. Um, and um, I remember um, Sue in the hospital. 
she said this. She said, uh, I'm not sure what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time, right? She was in the hospital for a month, serious car accident, and, and God was working, and, you know, we had all kinds of plans and things that we wanted to do, and, and that event changed our lives. It changed us. Um, we've had other things that have changed us in our lives, but that event, more than any other event, it changed our lives. And it's like, okay, Lord, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, three, a little more than three years ago now, four years ago now, I had a heart attack. And I laid at home. I wondered, will I ever, will I ever be a pastor again? Will I ever preach again? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. And I don't know what God's asking you to wait for. You do. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. I like, I like to finish messages like this. It helps me with a so what. So what? Well, thanks for that text, Pastor Paul. You, you, you know, nice, nice Isaiah 40. Love it. Love the way it ends. Uh, so what? Well, my question for you is you have a weight problem today. Do you? See, the, solve, the, the solution to a physical weight problem is discipline. Discipline of exercise, discipline of eating well. You take care of those things, and your physical weight problem will take care of itself. The spiritual weight problem, the solution is discipline. It's discipline. They that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I started with this statement. This statement: One of the hardest things to do in the Christian life is wait for the Lord. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will, receive waiting, you will receive the inheritance as, you are, as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. God things come to those who wait. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this book. Isaiah had a difficult task uh, laying out the truth that you had for him, sending a message to uh, his, his world, to his nation that would not be easily received. And we come to this part in the book where it starts to turn. And even still, Lord, it's going to be wait, wait, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Father, teach me to do that. I want to solve people's problems. I want to give them the answer. I want to, Lord, teach me to wait that you would direct our way. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Lead us, God. Lead us for your fame and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing a song?